Welcome to the IBM Developer Podcast. We are your hosts, Justin Halsall and the fabulous Luke Schantz. On this episode, we're going to go into an interview that Luke did with Diane Mueller at OSCON. And Diane actually organizes Red Hat's OpenShift Commons efforts. And for those of you that don't know, OpenShift is the container orchestration product that's based on Kubernetes. And what is OpenShift Commons then, Luke? Well, Justin, the Commons is a new model for community development. It's using contemporary tools, data science, uh, network analysis, but it's also drawing on lessons from the past. The term itself uh, goes back to like 14th century, and it had to do with shared provisions of a community or a company. But since then, the term has been applied to many different shared resources. That's cool. So it's a space driven by the community, and Diane is one of the organizers or the main organizer behind that. That's pretty cool. And now you are at OSCON, and I'm guessing Diane was doing a talk there as well. Is that is that correct? Yes, you did give a talk there. What was it on? Diane's talk was about using data science and graph analysis to understand open source development ecosystems, specifically around OpenShift, but also a lot of the CNCF projects and, and other related projects. It was really about understanding the community and, and not just using those metrics for reporting dashboards or for you know showing off, but really to drive development itself and the community building. Wow, that sounds really cool. And th that that goes way beyond just, you know, handing out T-shirts and stickers at conferences. This is that's really totally next level. And then on top of that, Red Hat's known for the amazing job that they do around nurturing tech communities. So that sounds really, really fascinating. And uh, I think we should also say that this is the first interview that you've done with Diane since the uh, IBM uh, Red Hat acquisition. Well, it was really interesting to hear what Diane had to say, both in her presentation and in our interview. Uh, we ended up talking for over an hour, so this is actually going to be a two-part episode. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's just dig in right now. Hello, my name is Diane Mueller, and I work at Red Hat in the OpenShift team in the Cloud Platform Group. Welcome, Diane. Thank you for taking time to sit down with me and, and being on the IBM Developer Podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, I have to say. It's um, been an interesting journey to get here. I'm sure it has been, and it's interesting. We are now... Uh, uh, conjoined twins. Conjoined twins. We are <laughs> co-workers, and uh, it's a very interesting structure that we're working out. It's, it's like a separation of interests. We have this workflow where Red Hat has a certain more objective view, and IBM has the scale and technology. Yeah. One of the things that I love about the merger of minds that we're going through right now is it was very apparent to me that OpenShift and Kubernetes and all of the projects that we were working on were taking off. And the cloud platform group that I work in at Red Hat is an awesome team and wonderful, but we really needed more resources to scale and to look at the size of IBM. It's just, it's just, I look at that and I go, oh my God, you know, we, if we can get everybody there entrenched in knowing how to, to work with our communities, to work with our products, we can really take on the universe and make some big change happen in great innovation go. You mentioned community or communities. What is Red Hat's approach to community? So it, it's interesting. I, um, 
I work on the OpenShift team, or five years ago, I started working on the OpenShift team, and that was back when OpenShift was a standalone platform as a service, and OpenStack was eating the world five years ago, and to watch how community has evolved. So I work on the open source side of things, and there's a product side, and the interweaving of community resources and communities has been the touchstone of the work that I do at Red Hat, and building engaged and thriving communities is is everybody's goal. Um, that's my goal specifically is that I'm tasked with. And so I've been watching and helping nurture the community around OpenShift for about five years. And about three years ago, we made a huge pivot. We re-architected our Ruby on Rails MongoDB platform as a service onto Kubernetes. And that was a huge bet. There were some risks involved in it. But we could really see the value proposition for the amazing cluster management and the other things that came along with Kubernetes. And we made a big bet and the bet has paid off. The rest of the universe has, has followed us there. But what that did from a community perspective and from a community development in someone like myself who is charged with making sure that everybody is engaged, they have the resources they need and growing contributors to our project, it changed us from focusing on trying to get people to contribute to OpenShift Origin, which was what the name of the project was back then. It's now been renamed to OKD, which I jokingly call OK Diane, because they gave up on branding it because I said no to so many names when they wanted to rename it. But basically, it's the origin community distribution of OpenShift, and it's great. It's wonderful. You can download it at okd.io. But we had to figure out a new community model because now we were contributing most of our work and engineering efforts were going into Kubernetes directly. So OpenShift brought it in when we made a distribution of OpenShift. We were pulling in from Kubernetes and etcd and you know all kinds of other projects too. So we are starting to see this network effect of how do you manage community relationships when they're like a jellyfish? They have tentacles everywhere and people are interrelated. People are working on Jaeger and open tracing and they're working on Kubernetes and they used to work on OpenStack and now they migrated over to, you know, it's just crazy. And trying as that explosion of connections created, we had to change our open source community model for OpenShift, and we designed something with a lot of other people's help, what we call the commons, the commons model for open source. And uh, you can find our site at commons.openshift.org. You can join us. But it was about creating the space for those connections to happen. And I really talk about commons model as being more of two things. One, it's a communications channel. When we shifted to Kubernetes, we had a ton of education to do. We had to tell everybody who was already using OpenShift what this Kubernetes thing was and why and how to install it and everything changed and like there, you know. So we had to take that fire hose and create a YouTube channel. You can find tons of stuff that I've done on YouTube if you are so inclined. Just educating people about this new architecture, this new thing. And so for the past three years, two times a week, I do a video podcast that's whether it's someone who's integrated, an upstream project, an end user talking about using Kafka on OpenShift, all kinds of stuff. Commons is really one. It's a communications channel, but also it's a peer-to-peer -peer network. So a lot of times in singular, insular open source projects, you know, everybody knows everybody. I can find everything that I need. But when you have this huge interconnected thing, 
people can't just come to Red Hat and I won't automatically know who the person is who's working on, say, Knative this week, or could be Istio, or it could be an operator in operatorhub.io. So in some ways, I don't scale as a person doing community development. So I had to create a way to get people to talk to each other. And so we have Slack channels, we have these briefings that we do, we host um, OpenShift Commons gatherings where we get people together because it's not enough just to be virtual. You actually have to have a human connection or it helps a lot. And to try and take those gatherings and this ethos of peer-to-peer networking, so peers helping each other, peers telling each other their use cases, their innovations, their, you know, all the warts and bumps and things that don't go right. So I often say I'm always giving away the podium. And when I tell someone to give them that space to talk is they don't have to say wonderful things about the projects. I want to hear the feedback because one of the most important things is getting the feedback from the end users and the integrators and the hosts and the sysadmins and the developers back to the people who are creating these projects, who are working on them. And hopefully as you do that, you're getting people to um, contribute too. So contribution comes in all shapes and sizes and forms and feedback to me is one of the most important things you can do. And you have to create pathways for people to give that feedback. And that's really a lot about what the commons model is. And so the effect of applying this new model has been when we were a standalone OpenShift platform as a service before we shifted, we probably had five to seven organizations that had people contributing outside of Red Hat to OpenShift Origin. And a lot of individuals who came in and do things too. But And we have grown that in the past three years to over 80. Identify there's still a lot of individuals too. That isn't even really important to us anymore. It's important to a certain extent. What's more important is we'd much rather have you contribute into Kubernetes so that everybody gets the benefit of it. We do a lot of peer-to-peer connecting, but also coaching of where to make that contribution so it has the maximum effect. And so I keep saying Kubernetes, but it could be Prometheus, it could be Grafana, it could be a, a dozen other things that people are asking for. And that's, I think, the thing that's changed about community development. We used to talk a lot about the art of community. We used to give a lot of stickers and t-shirts away at OzCon and come to something like an open source conference or a conference and you'd see all of your, or, or PyCon or DjangoCon or whatever, DrupalCon or whatever it was, and you would get to know everybody. And that's how you did it. That was the magic of the human relationship. And that's how you built those relationships. And now you can't do that anymore. You have to really take a bit of a scientific approach to it. We now do massive network analysis work on, and that's some of the stuff that we've been talking about here at OzCon and in other places. It's kind of showing how we manage to navigate all of those peer-to-peer relationships, all the contributors who are working on multiple projects. And we can now using data science and, you know, Elasticsearch and Grafana and all kinds of wonderful tools um, from companies. We collaborate with a company called Betergia based out of Spain that does some amazing work to be able to understand how the ebb and flow of contributors from one project to another, open tracing is a good example, Zipkin moving to Jaeger and, and how all of those people change over time what they're working on, all great projects, the same with OCI or all the CNCF projects. You can really see how those projects are interconnected now. And that is something 
that as an individual person who's charged with doing community development for the cloud platform group, that if I didn't have those tools, and if we weren't trying to nurture these networks, we wouldn't know enough to have a sustainable community. Really, by applying data science and all of these tools, we've been able to scale me. I don't have to now know 10,000 contributors and hundreds of thousands of people who are impacted by using this software, but I can find them. I can find a connection to them. So that whole six degrees of separation thing, it's not even that. You know, it's really been a godsend to have some of these tools. And so I'm really looking forward to, to segue it back to the IBM where we started this rant, applying predictive tooling like IBM Watson to this, because I can now see, as I'm Canadian now, uh, where the hockey puck is going by watching these migratory people and these connections. And I, I like to see, you know, mavens and thought leaders, the whole Malcolm Gladwell tipping point personas. And so we kind of watch for those people and nurture them and then nurture the newcomers. But it's really been a very interesting thing to see where the hockey puck's going. I can only see so far. I would really love to be able to apply some deeper learning and predictive analysis tools. I'm really looking forward to the next generation of tools that I get to use, hopefully, over the coming years. What do you think about the tools that are commonly used today? I, I find a lot of the tools that, like the dashboards and things that people have, like stack analytics and stuff like that, they're really, they're built to like, yeah, say I'm the number two contributor to XYZ project or for corporate bragging rights to being the best contributor to this or the most active contributor. And, and those are good things. Those are incentivized corporations to, you know, put resources on projects. So I'm not saying they should go away, but they don't tell me anything. They don't help me as a person developing communities to understand the relationships. And that at community development, it's all about the relationships and the connections people are making and these tools for visualizing the networks of people working on and using the projects and how the upstream projects are related to each other and or not. You can every once in a while see somebody who's out there in left field and you're like, oh, yeah, we got to get you integrated or get someone else looking at that. The other slide, I'm not sure if you saw it in the presentation, so you can look at individuals, but you can also look at corporate personas. So you can look at all of CERN or all of Amadeus, or as we were showing earlier today, everyone from Red Hat and everyone from IBM overlaid on each other to see we're contributing to Kubernetes, OpenStack, and all the CNCF projects. And that is an amazing map. And there are some places where there is no IBM Blue. And there's lots of places where I didn't realize that there were IBMers working on certain projects. And now I can see them and I know other collaborators. And it's a powerful thing when you think about open source communities more as a network of people as opposed to a bunch of contributors that you're trying to get on your individual project. We no longer should be thinking about that. In the past, the old school community managers were like metric on how many contributors did I recruit this year and how many commits did they make to my project. That's still kind of important for a lot of projects and people have huge numbers now and who's watching my repo and stuff like that. But it's really more about how can we create engagement, collaboration across open source projects and which ones do we need to nurture? Because projects, I'm dating myself, but I worked on XML stuff and HTML stuff. Those things, we really need them. They're still out there. You know, we're still using HTML every day, you know, in different forms and different incantations. So 
what happens when a project is no longer the hotness, you know, and nobody wants to work on it, and you need to continue to engage maintainers for that code base and grow it. So there's lots of aspects to looking at these, you know, network diagrams and understanding the relationships, but it's incredibly helpful to think of it more as, as I always call it, the jellyfish or the octopus, and trying to really understand how people are engaging with each other and how we can see where we need to put more resources or do more help and find connections. It's, it's, it's all about creating engaged, connected communities and, and flipping it back to the two parts of the commons model. The other part is a communications channel. So the other part of my job is creating continuous content and educational materials, or at least keeping that fire hose going with good content and updated stuff when we have new releases or we're working on a project like Quay or operators and we have to, you know, inform people about operator patterns and the new operator hub.io or what's going on with container registries and why Quay.io is important to take notice of. All of these things are part of the network and finding the people to speak. Who knows about Kafka running on OpenShift and Kubernetes? Well, it turns out some dude at Amadeus, you know, and put him up on stage, you know, finding the right people to talk and to share their stories is really it. And so I know I'm talking a lot now, but my real goal in life is to create the spaces for other people to talk and to give away the podium because I think that's when you create a space and, you know, you give people some constraints around, you know, what they are, what the topic is or anything, but that's the space where innovation happens. And I think that's to me some of the most exciting things about open source today and open source where we're going tomorrow in terms of being able to scale all this work and having resources like IBM Watson and IBM people, as well as all the wonderful Red Hatters that, and the open culture that Red Hat has. Thank you so much for listening to the IBM Developer Podcast. Now, if you'd like to hear more from Diane Mueller, on the next episode, Luke and Diane chat about why it's so critically important to contribute to open source software, not just as an individual, but also as a company. And they also talk about what it's like to work together with your competitors on the same project. Now, for more information on OpenShift, on us. Here's a list of links and Twitter handles. <laughs> Go to commons.openshift.org for more Red Hat OpenShift Commons. I'm at Juice10 on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Shantz. And Diane Mueller is at Python DJ. Check out the show notes for more links and for links to Diane's talk. See you next time. Have a great day.